Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Directional Bible Ministry. My name is Dwayne. This teaching ministry called to rightly divide the Word of God for the people of God. So um, today we are going to pick up our study in the book of uh, Galatians. Uh, I hope the connection is pretty strong. I keep getting a uh, an error saying connection loss. So let me know about that if that's causing a problem on on that end. But um, anyway, let's go ahead and uh, last time we were together, we broke into Galatians chapter number four. Um, I'm gonna try to get back in sync. <laughs> um, and um, and pick up these studies every morning about seven o'clock because um, I have uh, I think made it over the hump. <laughs> so <laughs> be praying for me about that. So uh, Galatians chapter four verse number one, uh, and of course I'm doing a a backup recording as well. If for some reason this doesn't uh, go all right, so Galatians chapter four verse number one. Uh, again, I keep getting this error saying that the connection is being interrupted. So, uh, but we'll plow forward. If not, I'll upload the uh, the recording that I'm doing right now. So, uh, <clears throat> here, Paul, Galatians chapter four, verse number one uh, says, "Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be the lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father." Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under uh, the elements of the world. Um, last time we were together, let's see, let me pull up my notes from there real quick. Um, I've, um, am I going the right way? Um, Galatians 4.1. Galatians rightly divided. There it is. Um, so when he speaks of the heir in this verse, he's speaking of Israel and his infancy as a nation. Um, as such, it was kept under the law until the time appointed of the Father, which I believe would be a reference to uh, the first advent, um, also referred to as the fullness of time in verse 4. Uh, again, Paul is using the Roman practice of tuteller guardianship of a minor to make his point. Um, and you remember we talked about how that Israel was uh, placed under the law really as a preservation uh, to preserve them uh, because of their transgressions until the time appointed, which would have been um, Christ. In verse 3, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Again, the we is a reference to the nation. He's referring to their bondage under the law, um, i.e. the words elements of the world, I believe. There's different opinions on that, but um, I think that's what he's, he's talking about. I mean, the law is all about how we live, how they lived in this life. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth this son made of a woman made under the law. So the fullness of time was the appointed uh, time that was appointed by the Father when Christ would come. He was made of a woman, which means he was born of a virgin uh, through Mary. Uh, and since Christ was sent to redeem those under the law, he had to be born under the law. 
in verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So here, um, again, Paul makes an interesting um, uh, pronoun switch. Um, He moves from third-person plural them to redeem them that were under the law uh, to that we, uh, second-person plural, of course, the ones who who were redeemed were them that were under the law. That has to be the nation of Israel because we're not under the, the Gentiles have never been under the law. And then that we who might receive the adoption was referring to the Galatian Gentiles who Paul was writing to. And of course, we're being uh, led by the Judaizers to come back or to place themselves under the Mosaic law. It's not like they were being led back under the law. They'd never been under it, but they were being forced to submit to it. And again, the them, um, the them cannot be the Galatian Gentiles or the body of Christ because neither of them were ever under the law. Israel is the only nation on earth that's ever been under the law, and they were the ones that had to be redeemed from it. Okay, Um and let me just kind of go ahead here. Um, it was not until Paul that we hear anything about Jesus being a ransom uh, for all under this dispensation of grace. It was only then that salvation could be offered by faith and faith alone since the seed had come. The one that came in the fullness of time, the one that came at the appointed time, once he came, um, and fulfilled the requirements of the law. So now by faith. Now, and when we talk about faith, we're not talking about the faith that they had during the law, because the Bible seems to make it pretty clear to me that um, they didn't have any faith under the law. They were, they were, faith was shut up unto them. Um, it wasn't a matter of faith. It was a matter of just doing what you were told, submitting to the law, obeying the law, walking in the law. The faith that Paul is speaking of is always the the save the faith that Abraham had um, in the promises that God gave him when he made the Abrahamic covenant with him. So now, by faith, just like Abraham's faith in the promises, we are able to receive the adoption of sons. Another way of expressing it is that after Israel had its chance to be redeemed. Under the law, then grace could be offered to the Gentiles by faith. Again, as revealed by Paul in the mystery. So, and then we went over sonship a little bit, and you can go back and take a look at that study. Now, verse number six is where we're going to pick up today. Um, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, Paul makes another switch from we, in verse 5, to ye, and is still speaking directly to the Galatian believers, both Jew and Gentile. So, by faith, they have been brought into a sonship relationship by the giving of the Spirit of His Son, in which they now, too, can cry out, Abba, Father. Um, and again, all that 
took a while for me to get my my arms around that that spirit because I know we're not I don't believe replacement theology. I've I've come to the belief that it's it's almost it's heresy. Um um so I just wanted to make sure that I understood that we are still the Gentiles, the bride of Christ is still spiritually in this sonship, not physically, but spiritually in this sonship, spiritually adopted, spiritually the sons of Abraham, because we share the same faith as Abraham. But again, that's not physically. We don't, the church has not replaced the Jew. The church has not replaced Israel at all. And we need to be really careful in that. And that's what I wanted to make sure that I could get my arms around and separate the two. When I started getting into the words of adoption and heirs and sonship, because I, like you, have basically been taught replacement theology um, my, my entire life even though I have never went to a Reformed church. Um, but still, dispensationalists today are teaching what I call a passive or a soft replacement theology. Now, um, verse number seven, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God, through Christ. Interesting now, Paul switches to first person singular, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but you're a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ. So I have come to believe that he is addressing the servant in verse one. <laughs> um, the one that it talks about, now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. I believe that the heir here, the heir, the physical heir, was the nation of Israel, still is, differeth nothing from the servant, I believe. And I'm not dogmatic about that, but the servant could be uh, the Gentile. Um. I mean, just that's that's my first thoughts as I work my way through it. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant. I mean, it's just kind of in context there. Um, um, so just express the whole thought. I've come to believe that he's addressing the servant in verse 1, who would eventually have Israel as their Lord, has now become equal with Israel joint heirs. So now the servant and the son are now joint heirs, or the servant and the heir are joint heirs together. Um, why? I mean, that, I think that's where we come up with that wording there, joint heirs. Again, for clarification, this does not mean that we, the body of Christ, obtains Israel's earthly promises. However, we do become joint heirs with those Jews who are now part of the body of Christ, not in earthly places, but in heavenly places. And again, that's something that you need to be able to separate out in your mind. 
um, the Jews who embraced the kingdom message had these earthly promises about an earthly kingdom. Um, but once they rejected that offer of that earthly kingdom and they came to faith, the same faith that the Gentiles have in the death of burial and the resurrection of Christ, in the mystery that was revealed to Paul, now all of our promises are heavenly promises because now there's neither Jew nor Gentile. We are going to inherit heavenly promises, not earthly promises like the nation, the nation of Israel. Um, and again, we've got so much language that we use. I was looking, I was reading one of my old commentaries, uh, Albert Barnes, who I really, really, really like. Uh, but he he doesn't do, he doesn't really separate the body of Christ from the nation. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely a, um, a reformed, or at least a passive reformed theology, um, that says they're one, they're, they're not, um, the, uh, the, the promises that God gave to the nation of Israel were, were earthly promises, um, an earthly kingdom with earthly material promises. Um, but those promises were never gave to the body of Christ. So we need to be careful when, you know, when the Bible starts talking about the new Jerusalem, um, the New Jerusalem, I don't think, has anything to do with the body of Christ. And yet, how many songs have I sang? How many churches have I been in uh, that are called or referenced the New Jerusalem? Again, they're not separating the earthly from the physical promises. They're not separating the nation of Israel from, um, from the body of Christ and their heavenly promises. Um, so again, this does not mean that we, the body of Christ, obtain Israel's earthly promises. However, we do become joint heirs with those Jews who are now part of the body of Christ in heavenly places. Um, and then verse number eight, we'll look at this. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. Now again, this verse is squarely directed at the Gentile believers, um, still who had been misled by the Judaizers regarding the law. Again, how be it when ye knew not God? The ones who knew not God were the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are the one that did service unto them which by nature are not gods. Uh, so again, he's addressing specifically in context the Gentile Galatian believers, but overall, the body of Christ, which is made up of Gentiles and, of course, Jews, but he's, regret, he's, he's addressing the Gentiles in this verse. I don't think the Gentile believers um, that Paul is addressing here necessarily believe that they had to go back under the Mosaic Law because they were never under the Mosaic Law, but instead they were being led to believe that they had to obey it to be saved. Um, so again, um, I hear preachers, and I've done it myself many times, they're trying to put us back under the law, 
Well, no, you can't go back under something you've never been under. Uh, the Gentiles were not being led back under the law, but they were trying to be placed under the law um, by these Judaizers. So how be it then when ye, he's referring to the Galatian Gentiles, knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are not gods. Of course, they were pagans and they were worshiping the pagan gods and they were, they were in the bondage that came in that pagan idolatry. But now, he says in verse 9, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how do ye turn again to the weak and the beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Again, I think this verse is, is, uh, is um, saying exactly what I just said. We've already established that the Gentile believers were never under the Mosaic law, therefore, whereunto ye desire to be in bondage cannot be referring to the Mosaic law that they're going back under. But instead, I believe when he asks, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, he is referring to the bondage of their, of their paganism. So either way, the Judaizers would have been promoting the law of Moses, which was also bondage. So anyway, I hope that makes sense. So we looked at uh, basically verses six through nine. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, I have a father. The ye there is referencing the Gentile believers there in Galatia, who now have received the spirit of his son, Christ, into their hearts, and now they have this relationship with God the Father because now they are adopted. They they have this 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 uh, this uh, relationship, not the same, but just like God the Son has with the Father. Now we can cry, "Abba, Father!" Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. Um, and if a son, now you're heirs of God, how? Through Christ. So he's addressing uh, the Gentiles there in Galatia. How be it then, when ye knew not God? He's again speaking to these Galatian Gentiles. Ye did service unto them which by nature are not really gods. In other words, you were pagans. But now, after you've known God, or rather you become known of God, how do you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements, that pagan idolatry that you were under before? Uh, and he's comparing and contrasting, I guess, that with Mosaic bondage, Mosaic law bondage, wherein you desire again to be in bondage. In other words, you're, gonna, you're just going to turn from one form of bondage and place yourself back under another form of bondage. Is that what you're doing? That's the question that he's asking. So um, that's my time uh, tomorrow, Lord willing. Um, we will get into verse number 10. So um, God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good. And I'm not sure how this live broadcast went over Facebook, but I do have a backup, so I'll review it. And if I need to, I'll just uh, upload the, the recording. So God bless you guys. Scott, God bless you, my brother. Hope that you have an awesome day.